Hey guys, it's Jackie, founder of All Mama Care and Mama to a Super Kid. When my son was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at 21 months old, not only did I feel my world was ending, but I was alone and scared. I made it my job to get my hands on every resource possible to become educated about his diagnosis. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was determined to become empowered and do everything possible to help my baby and my family thrive. Along the way, I've had the pleasure of connecting with some wonderful organizations and meeting some of the most caring and authentic people. This podcast is dedicated to supporting parents and families while their child is going through cancer treatment and beyond. I share with you all the resources that have played a major factor during this time in my family's life, and I'm so glad you're here with me. And now, let's get this episode started. supportive and wonderful in the hospital every single person from the from the person that took our trash out of our room to the person that you know gave her her treatments everyone was so great so they would say to her you have to have a party when you get home and she would say and a fundraiser <laughs> and, uh, and at four years and I, old she was saying and, yeah yeah she would say and a fundraiser like you know don't forget and well her heart <laughs> Honestly, I'm not quite sure how to give my next guest, Jen Burke, a proper introduction. Jen is the president and founder of Sarah Smiles. Her angel daughter, Sarah, courageously underwent treatments for medulloblastoma, a brain tumor, at the age of four. Heartbreakingly, she gained her wings less than a year after diagnosis, but her memory still provides thousands of children smiles every day. It was an honor and a privilege to have some time to speak to Jen. I loved hearing about Sarah, her interests, and the special memories they shared as mother and daughter. I am truly in awe of Jen, what she's created with Sarah Smiles, and what she provides for families like mine in memory of her daughter. Jen's goal is to give kids fighting cancer as many smiles as possible and know that they are not alone. My son Ollie was a recipient of one of the Sarah Smiles kits, and we're still exploring it. Stay tuned to learn how you can request one for your child, too. Welcome back to the All Mommy Care podcast. Tonight, I am really excited to have Jen with us. She is the founder of Sarah Smiles, and she is going to talk about the foundation and her beautiful daughter, and Jen, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, my name is Jen Burke, and I'm the founder and president of Sarah Smiles Foundation. And Jackie, I want to first thank you for having me on. It's really an honor, and uh, you're doing such a great job, so I'm thrilled thank to you. be a part of it. Yeah, so founder of Sarah Smiles, we support all pediatric oncology patients. Our primary mission really is to deliver what we call inspiration kits. They're really care packages for kids that are diagnosed with cancer, and they're filled with all different items based on things that helped me and my daughter 
through our experience at the hospital um, when she was diagnosed years ago. We call them inspiration kits. Our tagline is lift the cloud, inspire the joy, because despite all of the stress and pain and difficulties of dealing with cancer, I think there's a little bit of joy to be found in all the little nooks and crannies if you know where to look and, and how to do it. So we try to help with, with our kit. We also highlight other foundations that can kind of give you that boost in spirit that you might need also on, on our website. So similar to what you're doing with the podcast, we kind of like to put a list together for people so that when you're feeling overwhelmed with everything else that you're coping with, you can really just go to one place and find all kinds of new ideas and, and things that are out there that you might not have been aware of. And that's wonderful, Jen, because I'm so type A. You know, I like to have everything kind of like on the list or like a checklist or something that's easy to reference because we're really busy. We're caring, you know, for others. And especially during this pandemic, things are just haywire. So the easier that we can reference these resources, the better. So can we just, can we talk about Sarah? Of course we can talk about Sarah. Never miss an opportunity to talk about her. Yeah. So Sarah is my youngest of three. So she was four years old when she was diagnosed. So all three kids were in a camp play and they were at day camp in the camp's version of the Wizard of Oz. So Sarah was a munchkin, had my seat front and center so I could be ready to... As any mom would. Right, exactly. I got there early with my mom next to me and um, I'm looking up and she came out on stage and I noticed that one of her eyes had turned inward. Um, I lost all focus of the play and what was going on. I just thought, oh, like, when did that happen? I've got to get her to the doctor as soon as we're done. She must have a lazy eye or, you know, all these optical or whatever the word is for the eye issues. Right. Um, so as soon as the play was finished, um, and she was behaving fine and everything was fine. When the play was done, uh, we dashed off. We got a quick celebratory water ice, but then we went straight to the pediatrician. And the pediatrician took a look at her and sent us from there straight to our local hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, we got to the hospital to do an MRI. And as a four-year-old, uh, you can imagine how difficult it is to sit still for an MRI. They couldn't sedate her properly. Um, they didn't even really know how to speak to her in a comforting way to have her sit, sit still. So from there, we were placed in an ambulance and sent to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where they did do a proper MRI. And I'm starting to kind of shake even talking about it because... Um, they did the proper MRI. She was diagnosed with medulloblastoma. So she had a tumor at the base of her brain. And I remember shaking as if I were in the Arctic. I was shaking and chattering um, because you just can't believe it that you're hearing this diagnosis. And I've, I've said this to many of the families that that I've spoken to, um, to me, I felt like someone punched me in the stomach 
Like, you know, you can't get a breath. And then you're tossed onto this other planet where everything is foreign. The language is new. It's, you know, you have to operate under different rules. Everything, you're, you're like suddenly far from the world you knew. And um, everybody wants to help, but they don't know how to help. You don't know how to tell them to help. You, we couldn't even, you know, be physically close to anybody. Um, and that was way before COVID. And this is a whole new dimension. Um, and if I can just ask, what year was this? Oh, right. This was um, 2007. She was diagnosed. Okay. Um, and that day that we were diagnosed, the hospital became our home for seven months straight, pretty much. Wow. So they were able to tell with an MRI, like right away? They were able to tell um, that the mass was there. They didn't, and they did surgery. I don't remember how quickly, but very quickly afterwards. It wasn't until they did the surgery that they knew exactly what they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, someone, I think our pediatrician checked in while we were waiting during the MRI and they said, oh, you know, um, the oncology department will come talk to you. And I was like, I wasn't ready to hear that yet. Yeah. Um, it, and I don't know if it is for you, but for me, definitely, like, I didn't even, nothing really registered. Like, when Ollie was being diagnosed, it was a couple of days and I thought I was just talking to a normal pediatrician. I didn't know I was talking to someone from the oncology team. And even if they said oncology, I don't think my mind would register that that was for cancer. You know, just you're, you're in this go mode of just like, what's wrong with my baby? What's wrong with my baby? No one ever prepares to hear something like that. And you certainly don't think it's going to be you, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it takes a little little bit of adjustment and digesting and yeah that gosh Jenna I just I can't even imagine so she was four when she was diagnosed so then throughout you said that you know the hospital became your second home basically so how does it work with with her type of cancer like what was the treatment like that's a good question you know she had the surgery we had to heal we were in the ICU, I remember being in the ICU and they're on top of you all the time, monitoring and, you know, every little detail is being watched all the time. And when she healed enough, they sent us down to the oncology floor and I felt like I was in a ghost town. Like, where's all the monitor? Like what's happening? And it was the weekend and there weren't as many staff on the weekend and I thought and they said oh you know it's the weekend it was so quiet I, I was so freaked out by it and um because you're used to the monitors beeping and like constant people yeah, coming in and, and just um and as scary as that is it's you know when you start living in that world it's comforting because you know it's a comfort you're being watched anything should happen so yeah, on the oncology floor, someone had said, well, it's the weekend. And I thought, well, we still have cancer. <laughs> it's the right. weekend. But like, so then, you know, we adjusted to the cancer floor. She started um, treatments. I don't remember how many or, or how far apart they were, but they were harsh. Um, 
the, the treatments, the chemo that she was on was harsh and we did not leave the hospital. And, and I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know exactly what the protocol is these days, but we were in isolation. And in the seven months that we lived there, we barely went home. We went home for a day here, a day yeah. there, um, a handful of times. When she made it through those treatments, we were transferred to the other side of the floor, which was um, bone marrow and, and stem transplant, so the transplant mm -hmm. side of the floor. Um, she had three stem cell transplants. Wow. Um, yeah, and then, and, but a very harsh treatment before that to completely wipe her out. And I, I remember thinking when we were on, in, in the original treatment, um, a lot of kids passed around us and I, and I never had that mindset. I never, I thought we're going to barrel through this. She's strong. She's amazing. We're at an incredible hospital. Mm -hmm. As long as there's a percentage. Um, and I didn't even want to know what that percentage was, but if right. there's any percentage of survivors, then we're definitely in that group. And then I had that one day where um, a lot of kids passed and I thought, oh my God, am I fooling myself? Am I not dealing with reality? Am I not coping with this properly? Um, but we did, we got over there. They said, no, no, brain tumor patients go through very harsh treatment and transplant that side will actually be a little less harsh, not much. Um, but uh, we went over there, she finished out the stem cell treatments and the rest of the treatments. And um, we actually were declared in remission at the end of her treatment when we left. It was funny, she was, uh, everyone said to her, you know, you need to have a party when you get home. And we had already been talking about coming up with something because so many people, and, and I'll get to that, so many people were supportive and wonderful in the hospital. Every single person from the, from the person that took our trash out of our room to the person that, you know, gave her her treatments, everyone was so great. So they would say to her, you have to have a party when you get home. And she would say, and a fundraiser. <laughs> and, uh, it was, and at four years and was, old, she would say. Like, yeah, yeah. She would say, and a fundraiser. Like, you know, don't forget. And Bless her heart. <laughs> so we were trying to think of what we could do because we were so busy doing so many things every day. So everybody from camp things started pouring in books and games and toys and letters and pictures and we would plaster everything up on our walls and and then preschool her preschool was amazing so all the kids from preschool when when that started things started pouring in in from there so even though we were physically isolated she never felt isolated it was amazing i mean every day she woke up she asked about all of her friends, um, but every day she woke up and would say, what are we doing today? Mm -hmm. Despite whatever crazy thing was mm -hmm. happening, if it was a surgery, a treatment, a, she was like, I, I, it was incredible. And we would think of games or pull out some kind of craft activity that the door hangers that are in our kits, really the reason it's great for personalizing your room and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you could write your name on it or whatever, but Sarah would make door hangers at all hours of the day and night. I mean, we were up at two in the morning one night, like gluing pom-poms onto door hangers. And so 
everything in there has a personal meaning and also a, a use that we think is important. Definitely. I have my kit next to me too. And I know in a little bit, we're going to talk about Sarah Smiles and how the whole foundation started. And we'll talk about the kits and I'm just completely in awe of you, Jen. I mean, as a mom, like, you know that you have to be strong, but you really don't know how strong you have to be until you're living it. And then for Sarah to, you know, approach every day, like, what are we doing today? Like, that's just a testament to what you and your husband are, were doing and, and how amazing and how strong, like you said, that community. And, and for me, definitely that, that definitely carried me. And it sounds like it carried you too, because you don't think it's going to happen to you until it happens to you. Right. And then for me, I, I definitely had to, you know, depend on other people and strangers. And I just had to let them in and know all the pain so that they could carry me. And it sounds like you guys did something similar and, and really led in the community and Sarah's school and everybody was really, like you said, lifting you up and keeping you in those clouds. Yeah, it's important. I mean, for one, our kids vibe off of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're too young to have the fears and the, uh, they don't have the knowledge we have. So they're vibing off of us. They, I mean, of course, they're going to have fears when they get stuck with a needle and things like that, but they don't have the big picture fears that we do. And they look to us to, to guide them. And it's important to let all that love in. And it's a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not easy for anybody, especially strong women. And you realize in those moments, you're strong. I, you know, men and women, both parents, strong parents, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to let everybody help and show that. And, and your kids need to see that. Um, and like I said before, I don't, I don't know how isolating it is right now um, in general, uh, but when they're alone, they need to feel that love. They need to feel connected, and that's important. Definitely. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about how the whole foundation started? What what year did you like officially say, okay, we're starting this, or was it just kind of like we're going to start to put some kids together, and then it just kind of grew and grew? So... It started, you know, in that moment when I told you when we left the hospital and we were already talking about, well, what can we do? Other people are still here. There are going to be more people coming here. What can we do for them that other people did for us? So we started batting things around. We didn't get that far with it because, you know, you get home and and we still had follow-up medications and all kinds of life. It was not easy. Being home, you know, if I thought it was scary moving from the ICU to the oncology floor, moving from the oncology floor to your own home where no one's around, uh, which is obviously the goal, but it's, it's a very scary place to be. I alluded to when you have a newborn and they say, okay, go home. And you're like, what do I do? Right. Right. And then you go home with an immune compromised kiddo and you're like, wait, is someone going to check on us? Like, So I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing the right medicine? Like, yeah. It's a scary thing. So we didn't um, get to it right away. And and so I'll sidetrack in that when we did go home, um, 
She started feeling, so she was put on Accutane, which is uh, a lot of people have heard of that medication for skin issues. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah was put on Accutane to sort of mop up the leftover cancer cells if, if there were any. Um, and when you go to get Accutane, they practically make you sign your name in blood because there are side effects and, you know, all kinds of cautions. And so she started feeling pain again at some point. Um, and she was pretty tough. She really wasn't until closest to the scan that she was really letting on how much pain she was in. Um, but we thought they were side effects of, of the Accutane. So, so this was after you went home? This is after we went home. Mm -hmm. And she was um, in remission then? She was in remission, but we still had, you know, medications at home, things that, um, and she still, because of the surgeries that she had been through, um, she needed to relearn walking and talking and all kinds of things. So she was still struggling a little bit with walking. She was, the surgery left her with a left-sided weakness. So there was, there was still a lot going on. She was in remission, but she was not fully healed or, you know, the same as she was prior to her diagnosis. So signs started showing, but we weren't sure what to attribute them to. So when we went back for her three month scan, we found that everything had come back and far worse. I mean, I had no idea. It had come back where it was at the base of her brain and it had gone all the way down her spine as well. Um, I mean, we were shocked and floored. I, we didn't know what to expect, but we certainly weren't expecting that. Um, and that was a Friday. Saturday, we so we spent the night in the hospital on Friday. Um, it was Mother's Day weekend. We didn't want to stay in the hospital. We were told that there was nothing that we really could do. Um, so Saturday, we went home. It is our tradition every year to host Mother's Day for both sides of our family. Everybody comes and we have a big, uh, huge gathering for Mother's Day. So we wanted still to do that. So came home Saturday, prepared for Sunday. Sunday, we had all of our family. A lot of people slept over that night. Um, on, yeah, so she had slipped into unconsciousness during the day. She helped, she stayed up late with me, wrapped presents. She picked out the wrapping paper and helped me wrap presents. Um, Sunday, she slipped into unconsciousness. A lot of people slept over and then Monday, friends started pouring in as well. Um, and she passed on Monday that quickly, but she passed surrounded by oh. like everybody that she loved and that loved her. And she knew how much she was loved. And um, it, I mean, that's a gift to me. There was so much love. And then it took a while after that, obviously just, figuring out what happened and yeah. what to do with it all and how to, you know, um, so we didn't revisit things for a little while until we came out of the fog and the, um, it sounds like you, you have such a wonderful memory with her and that mother's day will always be special for any mother, but this is extra special for you and your family. And 
she's definitely she's in the house she's watching over you guys and i'm sure she's definitely smiling down on you right now to see like mom you're killing it she thank you for saying that i actually it's the oddest thing but um we get dimes uh and i'm not a person to just like lull myself into comforting and believing something just to make myself feel better i really yeah. need like hard kind of evidence dimes would start to appear at like momentous occasions, you know, maybe on her birthday or maybe it was an event where we were honoring her or, uh, so yeah, dimes have been showing up. Um, I mean, for instance, we do a walk for the, for our hospital. Um, it's not a Sarah smiles walk, but Sarah smiles has a team and all the money goes for cancer research and, and care. So we have a huge team every year and my husband and I are kind of trying to talk to everybody on the team while we're walking and we're separated. And the one moment that we came together to hold hands and walk together for a little while, we looked down and paved into the road was a dime at that moment. So they're not like, it's not like I put my hand in my pocket and I pull out a dime. It's like things that really meaningful moments. Um, and so what's Sarah's connection with the dime? I don't, I don't know. I, and I don't mean, oh, my, my husband, the first time it happened, he went on a bike ride and he was an avid biker and he came back after a long ride and he said, I saw three dimes. Isn't that weird? Like, why would I see dimes? I'm riding so fast. Like three dimes happened to catch my eye. So, you know, and then after that, they just started, I don't know. It, it's a, and when I tell people when they're with me, when it happens, or if it happens to them, some weird dime thing will happen and they'll say, oh my God, now I understand. And right. they'll call me and, and share a story with me. Oh my gosh. But that's been, um, that's incredible. Very comforting. And I do take that as a, a sign that, you know, especially on days when I need it, like, yes, you're going in the right direction. So, yeah. wow. That is, I got chosen. You told me that that's incredible. That's, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm completely speechless and I appreciate you so much for sharing, you know, Sarah's legacy and, and, and talking about that because it's really hard. I just really appreciate you sharing her story and, and just sharing it with our community and our listeners. Um, I know that, you know, some of the listeners, you know, we, we have kids that are in all stages of treatment and after treatment and, um, and remembering our children and our loved ones. And it, what you're doing is just absolutely incredible. So I'd like to turn and talk a little bit about the kit and what is involved in the kit. How can our listeners get the kit? Um, how can they sign up for it? What's in the kit? So there's two ways that we go about delivering kits. One is through the hospitals. So we'll deliver, we're affiliated with about 150 hospitals all over the country. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So we, uh, different hospitals are different sizes, have different needs, have different amounts of patients. So, um, so we don't deliver regularly to each hospital, but we'll deliver however, whatever they need, whenever they need it. Um, so, uh, that said, just because a child is being treated somewhere where we're not yet affiliated, doesn't mean that the child can't have a kit. We'll deliver directly to any child that needs a kit, any child with a, a cancer diagnosis. So in those cases, 
uh, when people contact us directly, like you did, I'll reach out and say, you know, this is my opportunity to make it a little bit special if I can. So, you know, if there's something special that a child likes, you know, I know Ollie is into trucks and yeah. I didn't know how to fit waterfalls into <laughs> it, but, you know, I'll try to find something a little bit special and throw it in there. So um, he or she will know it's just for them. Yeah. Uh, so in the kits, like I mentioned before, each item that's in the kit is based on things that we needed or used uh, during our stay, maybe with a little twist on it. So there's a file folder because I don't know about you, but we were inundated with paperwork, the blood counts and the it, all the things that that they give you. I'm sure today more things are online than they were back then. The other thing at our hospital, we had famous people or I want to say like Cookie Monster or whoever would come through the hospital every once in a while and either give us something special or take a picture. So the file folder is good for little mementos like that too. Sarah did tons of artwork. And so the file folder is, is for that. That's a great idea. Cause I have a five inch binder of everything related to his treatment. And that's how I organize everything. But we, you know, when you're in the hospital, you're pretty limited on the space and things like that. So having a folder to put everything in or just a spot in the room, a bin or something like that is, is an excellent idea because it, it, it's extremely overwhelming. Yeah. Everything's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, so that's for a little bit of organization. There's, there are two pads. One is an art pad, uh, because who's not going to doodle and, you know, Sarah used to make pictures and send them to the person next door or give them dinners <laughs> or send them home. And that was, while we didn't get to see our neighbors that much, it was a nice way to connect and bond with other people on our on our floor. There's also a feelings pad. And this one I think is great because kids don't always know how to talk about how they feel or things related to feelings. So you can check off how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way and what that makes you want to do. So it's a good way even to get this, you know, the story going, the conversation going with the child by pulling that out. So there's little toys in there. There's a, a squeezy toy. Uh, Sarah used to have a little frog that someone gave us. Uh, we have our version. Our frog was called Cha-Cha. And Sarah squeezed it when she was nervous. She squeezed it if she was getting a needle. Uh, we used it as a basketball and made up games with it. We did five million different things with Cha-Cha. So I'm hoping that when people get our squeeze toy, you know, they're finding creative uses for it also, or just using it as a stress reliever. We used to put socks in the kits. Um, sizing is hard. We try to make everything that goes in the kits good for kids of all ages and boys and girls, just so, especially when the hospitals receive them, they don't have to sort through them and, and get backed up on certain kits and not enough of other ones. Uh, so now we have these karate bands and they have messages on both sides. There are colors that you can flip. Some say work hard, overcome. You know, they have different messages on them. Those are really cool. So those, I, I thought, you know, they can wrap them around their waist. They can wrap them around their head. They can wrap them around the IV pole. Like you can, we try to 
We yeah. want them to be as versatile as possible. Yeah, these are really cool. For Ollie, we always talk about ninjas, like wearing our ninja mask when we go to the clinic. And I always have a headband on because my hair is always crazy. <laughs> and I, I have not opened up this headband yet, but this will be fun to play with. Um, and even, you know, it's so soft too. Like, and I know that, you know, you have so many other things in the kit too, but, um, once people receive your kit, you'll get like a whole letter that kind of maps out what's in the kit. Right. When Ollie and I opened up our kit, I took a video and then I sent it to Jen. And, um, like she mentioned before, she was able to personalize it for Ollie. She put these really cool monster trucks in there and he was like in awe he's like what a new truck like this is so cool and you know for the older kids like elementary middle school like Jen mentioned there's a how you feel pad so there's the emotions that are named and then there's your action like what you want to do I want to hug someone I want to jump up and down I was even thinking Jen you know on the back of this pad it's all plain paper some kids just like to draw a picture they don't want to talk about how they're feeling and really what you're doing is you're an extension of child life because you're giving the kids other ways to express their emotions, you know, and even when they're in the hospital and when they're at home too, Ollie's only three right now. So he can tell me, you know, verbally, I don't feel good or whatever, but for the older kids, especially when they just want to have a quiet day, uh, I can definitely see how this would be a great resource for any kiddo that just really just doesn't want to be bothered, but still keep that open communication going because it's really important. And then I think you also included in there, oh, a cool tote bag. And like you mentioned, the door hanger, we're really into stickers. Like it's like a huge thing over here. So the door hanger is already decorated, has stickers on it, and it's just so easy and fun to do. It's foam. So it's just, you know, you can even pull the stickers back off. You can do markers on it, however we want to decorate it and yeah we found like any type of like art or like painting Ollie really loved doing that in the hospital so we do that at home too but yeah this kit like as soon as I got it I think I was more excited than Ollie because I was like oh my gosh your kit came and my husband's like why do people keep sending us stuff I'm like because I applied for it <laughs> because because I think it would be nice to look forward to things in the mail like especially our immune compromised kiddos right now you're they're doing you know remote school and they're not able to see their friends and so when you get a package in the mail it's really exciting like even when amazon comes i get really excited yeah, um, yeah. so it's just wonderful what you're doing and I just, I can't thank you enough because like I said, I have the kit with me right now and, you know, little by little, I'm like, oh, mommy has a surprise. And I kind of like chip away at the kit and kind of go through it. But what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I just, I really appreciate, you know, all the hard work that you're doing behind the scenes and working with those 150 hospitals and then one-off families like mine. I, I really am excited to share this with the all mama care community because I truly believe that there's someone out there, there's some mom, some dad, some caregiver out there that is just pining for something to help their kid. And you just never know what, you know, kit is going to help them or what strategy might work or something to just kind of give them a little lift when they need it. So everything that you include in this kit is so thoughtful and so meaningful. And I just appreciate you sharing, 
you know how important every piece of the um, items that you chose are. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Eventually, the kit will be used up. I mean, some things you can keep using, like the the bands and things like that, and and the toys. But some of the things will start, you know, disappearing. So that's when we recommend, you know, go check out our other resources and other places. So if you're really into this, you know, if you like this item, go and we'll show you where to go and, and what to look for. And the kit itself is designed so that you can keep using it. So if Ollie wants to bring his little toy trucks and cars with him back and forth, or, you know, you can use the kit for that, um, the kit itself, you know, there are little things that you can keep using as well. So I'm glad that you find it so helpful. We've been getting really great feedback and it, it warms my heart. I mean, our hearts are with each and every person that contacts us and each and every person that we imagine the kit going to when we deliver to the hospitals. It is hard to make things out of thin air. I, re I remember walking down the halls, trying to get Sarah to walk again and just making up a, a tour. You know, I was the tour guide and, and pointing out things in the hallway and you know, just making up things to have fun and make each experience. Um, and you and I both were teachers. Um, yeah. So we come from that creative background. But I think, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy. And it doesn't come naturally to other people all the time, understandably. So there's help. We're here to, we're here to help if we can. So how can people contact you? So you can go right to our website and there's a page uh, you can click on. I think it's the contact us or order a kit. I don't even know uh, yeah. my own website on the, but there is a tab. So Sarah smiles, S A R A S dash smiles.org. I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but you can go there, give us your information, give us your information, give us your child's information, Who you know, the recipient, whoever is receiving. Sometimes that gets a little confusing. Okay. Um, and if you think of it, if, you, if you're going to be ordering a kit, the more notes you write, the more that we know, the better. And if you forget to do that, I'll contact you and ask you myself so that we can find out those little details that... Um, you know, make your little one so special and, and special to us as well. So that's wonderful, Jen. I, and again, like you reached out to me one off and I told you all he loves trucks and waterfalls and art and, and you really personalized the kit. So thank you so much for that. One last question though. Sure. So, so Jen, did these kits cost anything or are they? Uh, oh, good question. Good question. Um, they don't cost anything to anybody that we work with, not to the hospitals, not to the patients or families. I mean, to us, of course, we have worked hard to raise a lot of money. Uh, we have a wonderful community that's been supportive. We've been doing some, uh, receiving some grants. We used to have an annual event, which we no longer do. We're looking mm -hmm. to replace that, but no, there's never... And, and all the resources that we recommend are free as well. You have enough on your plate. Everybody, I mean, there's enough going on, enough to worry about. That shouldn't be an additional worry. And, and 
not to mention that, you know, each patient deserves every smile that we can possibly scrounge up. So that's good to know. And thank you so much for working so hard behind the scenes because fundraising is not always easy. It takes a lot of hours, a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails. Um, and I just, I really appreciate that. So thank yeah. you. Jen, this was absolutely incredible. I, I thank you so much. It was just really an honor and a pleasure. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you got a lot of value from it. If something from this stuck with you, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on Instagram or on Facebook and tell me your thoughts. Join the private All Mama Care Facebook group to connect with me directly and other listeners across the globe. Hop on over to my website, allmommycare.com. All, A-L-L, no periods, mama, M-A-M-M-A, care, C-A-R-E.com. There, you'll be able to check out some amazing resources to help your child and your family. Wherever you're listening to this, take a screenshot tag me and a couple friends. You never know, it might be exactly what someone needs to hear today. The light within me honors the light within you.